0: I have to tell you, it's interesting to have the Pastor <laughs> sitting in the congregation this morning and <laughs> and go through a Sunday school class where they sat and talked about the sermon. Uh, I'm not used to that, which is what happened after the first service, but I am excited about being here with each of you this morning, and God has a message that He has asked that I deliver last week, Zach gave us a powerful message uh, about Peter and John and a crippled man who was at the beautiful gate at the entrance to the temple and And then he talked about how Peter had been bold in all his journey with Christ. And and it was interesting, wasn't it, how Peter sometimes got ahead of himself and kind of, well, he just wasn't able to follow through. He fell short because he was trying to do it his way. And it wasn't until after pentecost and the holy spirit rested upon peter that he became a new creation truly a new creation and he was as uh, as zach quoted proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all ways submit to him and he god will direct your paths so after pentecost the resurrection, Peter turned everything over to God and was filled with that spirit and everything changed. Peter was a new creation, a Holy Spirit creation, an instrument of God used by God for God's purposes. Bottom line, this is what I took away from Zach's sermon. If you're filled with God's spirit, and you pray for boldness, get ready, because God will use you in kingdom ways. That's a pretty big deal. And I want to carry on. I want to pick up from there. I want to pick up where Zach left off and and show you some examples, excuse me, of the way God has used his angels without wings. to further God's plan. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, speak to me and through me. Fill me with your spirit and fill each of us with ears that hear, spirits that awaken and are excited and filled to overflowing. And help us, Lord, Lord, to understand that you have a plan for each of us in the place that you have put us. In the name of your son, amen and amen. I love the the um, benediction that Terry Hauser's first husband used every Sunday. Every Sunday. And I believe that I should start with that because, well, I think it'll become clear as we go through. He used to say at the conclusion of a service, you go nowhere by accident. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in you being there. And Christ, who dwells within you, has something he wants to do through you. Wherever you are, believe this, and go now in His grace and love and power. I don't know whether or not the name Desmond Doss rings any bells. Anybody ever heard of Desmond Doss? How many of you have heard of Hacksaw Ridge, the film? Uh Aha, okay, the Mel Gibson film of Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss, who is on the top of this, on the island of Okinawa, and he is there with, he's a medic, he's a combat medic, and he has a Bible on his chest, he has a medic's bag at his side, and he's got God's spirit leading him on. And he is up there. And the Japanese have got fortifications that are absolutely perfect, channeling all of the troops into, into fires that they've got set up. And here's Desmond Doss along with the uh, members of his battalion are climbing up those rope ladders that they throw over the sides of ships, you know, and they're climbing up, and they get to the top, and they're allowed to proceed as they're channeled together, and then all of a sudden, the world blows up in front of them. And people have to retreat. But here's Desmond Doss, conscientious Conscientious protector, well, he liked to call himself a conscientious cooperator, who is there, climbing over all these dead bodies, looking for, a, for an American that is alive in some way. And then he would triage them, and under the cover of smoke and darkness, he would start to drag these guys over to the rope ladder, and he fashions this special harness. And he lowers each one of these men down with enemy fire around him. And somehow, he never gets hit. And he keeps going back. And each time he goes back, he says, Lord, help me get one more. And he goes, and he gets another, and he brings him. And he drops him down to to safety and to the help. And he does this all night and part of the next day. It is amazing to see this guy. His hands are, are just raw from the rope. And so he gets rags, and he ties rags around his hand. And he's got a, he's, he, he uses a stump from a tree to help slow the, the, the dropping of these. And these men keep going and going and going. And the hospital infirmary is filled And somebody comes and says, where did all these men come from? Sir, PFC Doss. Doss? Isn't he the objector, the conscientious? Yes, sir, but he's been lowering the, how's he doing that? We don't know, but he keeps doing it. They keep coming. We've got 100 now in the infirmary. And Doss continues and continues And continues, of course, Mel Gibson plays it up pretty good. But the fact of the matter is, he, for his heroic efforts that day, receives the Congressional Medal of Honor, the first conscientious objector ever to receive the Medal of Honor. But now for the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, Desmond Doss grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist family, very spiritual family. His father was a hero in World War I. He had fought in France, and he had uh, Silver Star, and he came home a different man, as many do. that come back from, from uh, combat. And he drank a lot. And he got violent when he drank. But Desmond was a very spiritual guy from the very beginning. And in fact, they had a big poster of the Ten Commandments. And he would look at them. And he had them memorized. And, and it was an amazing, I mean, but one night, his father and an uncle got into a fight over a pistol the father was threatening the long-suffering wife and the uncle took it away and Desmond looked at it and said, I will never touch a weapon, I will never touch a gun in my life. (laughs) And so he, in World War I, I mean when World War II came along, Desmond Doss was working in a shipbuilding factory. He could have gotten an exemption But when Pearl Harbor happened, he wanted to join up. He wanted to wear the uniform of an American soldier, medic. He wanted to salute and did salute the American flag. He wanted to serve, but he wanted to serve without firing a weapon. He put it this way. He said, I want to be like Christ. Saving life instead of taking life. (laughs) And then he said, and heck, he said, I can work on the Sabbath. He said, Christ worked to heal on the Sabbath, so so can I. What a deal. This is pretty good. So he goes off to basic training at, uh, at Fort Jackson in South Carolina, and he runs into a buzzsaw. First off, Everybody has to learn how to use a gun. That's part of what you are when you're a soldier in the army. And when he refused, the chain of command came down on him terribly and caused the soldiers to rise up against him. And they beat him to a pulp. And yet he never—he kept on keeping on. He kept being true to God true to who he believed in. And, 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 and then the chain of command tried to drum him out of the military. And as a result, a DOS refused to be drummed out. And as a result, through things that only God could do, he was allowed to serve as a conscientious objector. And the only things that he had was his Bible, his medic stuff, and God to lead the way. He became somebody. He became somebody, but do you think for a moment that Desmond Doss ever thought that he was going to be a big deal? Do you think that Doss began with the idea, you know, I think I'm going to be a conscientious objector today so that I can win the Congressional Medal of Honor. Didn't have a clue. But he was the guy who made himself available to God. And God did what God wanted to do at that particular time with the man that he had put in that place for that purpose. (laughs) You're not a Desmond Doss? I'm not a Desmond Doss. I didn't sign up. I, I, I wish I had the moral fiber, but I, I, I don't think I have that. I, I am a Christ follower tries to do what the Spirit calls me to do, where I have been placed. There's no doubt about that. And I suspect that many of you are right here. Many of you aspire to do what God wants us to do, to turn our lives over. Which brings me to today's scripture reading. Which is from Acts 9, 1 verses 1 through 20. And I'm going to read in the NIV, which is in the Pew Bible. So if you want to follow along, it's fine. You know this story. You almost know it by heart. It's all about Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Meanwhile... Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, And he fell on the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing, so they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your servants in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And then Ananias went. He went to the house and he entered it, placing his hands on Saul, he said, "Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, is coming here, as you were coming here, has sent me so that he, you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit." And immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. And he could see again. And he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. And Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord thanks be to God. Hey, everyone's focused on Saul. I mean, who wouldn't be? Here's the man, the man who writes a good portion of the New Testament. The one who is chosen by God to take the word to God's people, to the Gentiles. He was the He was God's chosen instrument. But I'd like to take a moment and look at another person who is rather instrumental in this whole thing. And all he is referred to is simply a disciple in Damascus in verse 10. And I would tell you that Ananias gives us a rubric for our own conduct when we're called to a challenging assignment. (laughs) I mean, God was only asking that he come face to face with the guy who had been sent to take away all of the, uh, you know, to, to remove all the followers of the way and send them back to Jerusalem. And here he is. And he wants Ananias to make a pastoral visit on a terrorist. But look at Ananias' reaction. This is what absolutely blows my mind. First off, verse 10, he answers, Yes, Lord. And then, he uh, verifies the assignment. He says, now, wait a minute. I want you to know that I know who this guy is. He's the one who's coming and is, is ready to take us all away. And you want me to go there, but I got it. Verse, you know, and then in steps in verse 17, he went. He went. And in step four, he ministered. My goodness gracious sakes, what did he do? When he came in, he placed his hands on Saul. And he prayed for him. And suddenly, the scales came off. And then, what happens? He welcomes him. He trusts the Lord enough that the Lord is going to convert this guy, that he calls him Brother Saul. And he's part of the family. Brother Saul. I have to tell you, do you think Ananias ever thought that he was going to be used by God in this way? Of course not. Of course not. He was a simple follower of the way. But he believed in God and he trusted God to do what God said he would do. And Ananias followed instructions. Okay, but you say again, I'm not like Ananias. I mean, yes, I've given my life to Christ. Yes, I believe in him. Yes, I trust him. But I've never been around anyone who's had a Damascus Road experience. And and I've, I've never been a Desmond Doss. The circumstances of my life are very different. Hey, how many of you grew up in the church and don't even remember when you had a conversion experience you've always been there i mean seriously i don't really remember the the church was all part of my life from the time i was this big all the way up now yes i've had some experiences along the way but the important question is not when we became a christian But what is the nature of our faith experience now? Are we practicing intentional Christianity? Is our daily experience of God a life that is bound in obedience to God's word and to the person of Jesus Christ? And if the answer is yes, you are one of those unheralded, dedicated disciples who quietly get the job done. You're not going to see your name in, on CNN or on Fox News. You're not going to make the New York Times or, or, or Newsweek Magazine. Heck, you're not even going to make the Avery Journal Times. But this coming week, Like every other week, hundreds of thousands of them will depart worship as we're going to be departing worship today into the world and get to work. And get to work. And they'll do all kinds of things. They'll do taxes at the senior center. They'll take meals to the hungry. They'll mentor kids or, or do tutoring or visit, visit someone who's lonely. If you're an attorney, you might do immigration pro bono work. I don't know. You might man a suicide or a drug hotline. You might teach Sunday school. You might clean the, the restrooms. Whatever you're called to do, God, that's your mission. That's what God has placed you for. Some of you are builders, so you build habitat homes. I I mean, I could see people doing habitat homes in here. Some of you grow Christmas trees. You know, I, I could see sending Christmas trees around. I mean, I could come up with all kinds of different things. God has a plan and is using you if you make yourself available and you are filled with God's spirit. You know what? They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They might be here doing a free dental clinic, or that dental clinic may turn around and be taken to a UNHCR camp in Ethiopia. Wherever God leads you and you say, yes, I'm going, that's where we go. Like Ananias. Unknown until now, and we're not going to hear from him again. He surfaces in Acts nine, and that's the end. You don't hear about Ananias again. You don't hear about that other guy Judas, who had the house on Straight Street. You don't hear about the impact that he, had, you know, his decisions to support followed. Yes, Ananias had misgivings. Yes, he was asked to lead this guy Saul into the, you know, into the scriptures. I mean, he's the one who led him in, and from then on, it was all about Saul. But in doing so, he openly made himself vulnerable because he identified himself as one of the very people that Saul had come to hunt down. But when called, he answered. When chosen, he stepped up to the plate. In the early church, as in the church of all times and places, disciples of Christ, regardless of the nature of their conversion experience, have been making a difference in the world. How we are used by God is not up to us. God has the vision. God has the plan. Some things will be really big. Other things will not make any sense to us. Now at least. But all our kingdom missions with kingdom purposes. The question are, Are you ready? Do you believe? Are you committed? I know we can count on God. But can you, can God count on each of you? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.